Well, good evening, everybody. I uh, tried to jump the gun twice, I guess. So sometimes it's just hard to know when it's done. And I'm like, is it done? <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, I said I wouldn't embarrass anybody tonight. So I won't give their name. But I got uh, in the mail this week. And I was, I was really curious what this was because it came in like this little yellow package. And, uh, and it had an address on there. And I'm like, this isn't like the right address or something. I think for the return address or something, I'm like, this is either just down the road. Like, what in the world is this? And um, as I open it, well, it also said my name on it. So I'm like, who in the world is, you know, sending mail? This early, like it's not that close to Christmas yet, unless it's an early Christmas gift. But I got this little uh, badge that says uh, John Bishop, Junior Pastor. So if you heard anybody speaking about that, you know who it is. But I'm not going to give their name because they didn't want me to embarrass them. But I know who you are, and I'm I'm going to embarrass you. So, all right. But if you have your Bible uh, this evening, if you will turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter one. Philippians uh, chapter 1, and if uh, you all have studied any of this book uh, before, uh, you realize that this is uh, a prison epistle of the Apostle Paul, um, and he wrote this while he was in prison uh, in Rome. But let's begin reading in Philippians uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart in so much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ until the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this evening and just that we can gather together as a church. Um, and I pray that as we study your word, that we just learn more about you and apply our hearts unto, the, unto wisdom and unto the truth of your word. And I pray that we would not be hearers only, but doers of your word. And I pray that each one of us, myself included, that you would do a work in, in our hearts uh, this evening. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So as I mentioned earlier, this is a, a prison epistle that Paul was writing uh, when he was in Rome. And throughout this book, you can find an emphasis uh, placed on the word joy or rejoice. And now this isn't just an artificial joy. Um, or artificial happiness that you find out like through the world uh, today. But this joy was grounded in something. And more than something, it was grounded in someone. And that someone is in uh, Christ Jesus. 
And I'm so thankful that I am in Christ's family. You know, we've been learning in uh, 1 John, actually uh, today, how you are either the children of God or you're the children of the devil. And if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, you are not a child of God. You are a child of the, of the devil. Whether you think so or not, there's, there's two sides. There's not an in-between part. You can't say, I'm on God's side, and I'm also not for him. That's not how it works. You're either for him or you're against him. And I pray that if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you are not a child of God, that you would place your faith and trust in him tonight. Get that settled. Don't wait. And, uh, and I promise you won't regret it. There, I don't believe there's someone in this room who regrets it. If you do, I, I don't know what's going on in your life. But even though life is hard, God is always good to us. He's always there for us. And I'm so thankful uh, to be a child of God. But we see uh, in, in uh, verse uh, 6, it says, Be in confidence of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we know Christ has already finished that work when he died on the cross and paid for our sins. He, he finished that. We don't have to work to earn our salvation. That is not what this is saying. But it says he hath, uh, it says in verse 6 again, it says, he hath begun a good uh, work. And we realize that Christ's work to pay for our sins was finished on the cross. When, he's, when he died on the cross and rose again on that third day. But we realize that in our Christian life, there is a work. There is a refining process in our lives to help us to be more like Christ and less like ourselves. You know, the goal and throughout this passage, throughout the Bible, is not to just say, you know, I'm more righteous than you. That, that is not the goal at all. But to, that refining process is so that Christ uh, may be seen. And, and sometimes this takes trials. This takes hard times in, in our lives to make us more uh, like Christ. You know, when I, w when I was studying this passage and when I was thinking about this refining process, I was thinking of uh, James chapter 1 and verse 2. And I think probably several of you know this verse. And it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. And I know with reading this passage and with hearing this passage, a lot of us has, have heard this many times. It, to, to our human minds, it just doesn't make sense. Count it joy when you, when you fall into divers' temptations or when you go through hard times. Well, the joy is not just found in the circumstance is found in the God of our circumstance, knowing that he's always there for you and he's always going to take care of you. That doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. And it's just, you know, that modern preachers, the health and wealth. It's not like that. But we have something better. We have God with us all the time. And we have our salvation settled. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It has been settled. But how do we let God reform his work in and through our lives so that people may see Christ. Well, we find out uh, in, in the book of Philippians, uh, Paul has a prayer uh, for these people. And when he's remembering them, he says uh, in verse 3, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And in verse 4, it continues always in every, every prayer of mine for you all making requests 
uh, with joy. And, and just thinking about this, how Paul, you know, he, he's been to several different churches. He's been to several different cities and countries and met many uh, different people. And when he thinks of the Philippians, uh, he had joy. He remembered them. He was thankful uh, for them. And I wonder, can we say the same thing about our church family? Are we thankful for each and every one uh, who is here? You know, a lot of times when we come to church or um, when, when we have a fellowship time, we just like say, hey, how are you? And then it's like, okay, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. That, that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have fellowship. That doesn't just mean, oh, I shook your hand, so we're good, right? <laughs> we're friends. But that's spending time with one another, having that fellowship. Just like, and, and I would go on to say, like a friendship, you know. You wouldn't say, I have a friend, but I just uh, say hi every, uh, like once a year. And then, you know, we're still friends because we at least say hi to each other. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about that close a relationship, that bond. And Paul had that bond with the Philippians. And he was uh, thankful for them. But he had this prayer. Not uh, that they would just slack off when he was away. No, that they would keep pressing forward so that they would honor Christ uh, in their lives. In verse 9, he says, In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So my first point this evening, if you want God to perform a good work in you, and you want him to keep working in your life, there needs to be a work of love. And when, when Paul says this, the first thing that uh, comes to mind when I think about abounding yet more and more, I think about overflowing, a life uh, overflowing. And the first thing I think is about how Jesus' love for each and every one of us, how his love is a sacrificial love. We think of uh, John chapter 15, uh, John chapter 15 and, and verse 13. And I'll read this here. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This is the greatest love. And Christ had the greatest love for us. When He didn't just die for the very good. He didn't just die for the very best. He died for everyone. And we think of John 3, 16. God died for the sins of the whole world. And I know a lot of people say, well, that's just like certain people. No, all always means all. That's everyone. And we're thankful that Christ died for each and every one of us so that we don't have to live in doubt whether or not we're going to heaven or hell. We can have that settled. We can know for sure we're going to heaven because Christ uh, saved us, because Christ died for our sins to forgive us. But it says when, when we think about Christ's love and we think about his sacrificial love uh, for us, that should cause us. Uh, to love uh, one another. And we also, we think of the greatest commands uh, that Jesus uh, gave, and that is in uh, Matthew chapter 22 and verse uh, 37. So this uh, uh, person came up to Jesus and said, what is, what is the greatest uh, commandment? And in verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All these commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. Because each commandment, it either is to God, or it's our relationship to man. 
And when, when you think about this, this, this a person who asks this question is, is surely like, I've kept, you know, all these Ten Commandments. And surely one of the greatest is probably, you know, honor the Sabbath day or, or you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And, and this person's probably thinking, you know, I've done all these things. But Jesus doesn't, you know, he doesn't go to the Ten Commandments and, and list them off or just list one. But he says, that this is what it's about. He says that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And with all thy mind. And when I think about this, I think to myself, do I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my soul? And surely all of us, if, if we ask each other here tonight, do you love the Lord? Do you love God? And everybody would say yes, or at least I would hope so. But I wonder in our lives, do we show that? Do we show Christ's love in our lives uh, to others? And you know, not only, it says not only to the Lord, do we love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind? Do we spend time each day in his word? And I know all of our lives are busy, and it just seems like it gets busier and busier, especially now, you know, you think of Christmas time and, uh, and also Thanksgiving, and just, it, it seems like just time speeds up because you're running places, and, you know, it's good to love our family. It's good to to care about them and, you know, try and get all the gifts and, you know, make all those memories. I'm, I'm not saying that that's bad, but don't forget God in all of that. When you, when you think of Thanksgiving, the first thing that should come to mind is you're thankful for God, all that he has done in your life. So he says, love the Lord with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And then he said, the second is like unto it. It says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I wonder, do we love and care for people? And, and I'm not saying being gullible, just like, oh, this person asked for money, I'm going to give it to him. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, do we care for people? Do we care enough to share the gospel with them? People, you know, people have a lot of needs, don't they? But the most important need that anyone has in their life is their need of Christ. But do we go about each day thinking of people's needs? Do we go about each day thinking that this person needs Christ, do we see them as a soul needing to be saved? Or do we just see them, you know, as another person and, you know, I, I'm busy. I got everything that I need to do today and I'm not going to talk to him. And I, and I understand people are busy. It, it seems really hard to talk to people because everybody's running somewhere. But maybe you could do something nice for them. Maybe someone, you know, especially with gas going up, maybe one time the Lord blesses you with an increase of money or, or something, just the Lord lays it upon your heart to maybe pay for someone's gas or help in that way. But don't just stop there. That usually opens up people to the gospel when they see, like, why did you do this? And then you could, you know, go on to say, well, you know, Christ has paid the greatest price for me. And I wanted to um, share that love uh, today with you. And the most important thing I want to tell you is about the gospel of Christ and how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. We also see that this uh, work of love, just how I, how I mentioned earlier, it's, it's not gullible. We think of, um, it, it continues on in verse 9, it says that your love may abound yet more and more in, in knowledge and in all judgment. And when I was thinking about uh, this verse, uh, I was thinking in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. And how the world uh, says love today, they, they say love is blind. 
that is that is not the truth. Or they just say love is a feeling. Now that can be part of it, and I'm not going to say it's not, but it's not solely based on a feeling. It it is based on knowing, because I'm sure many of you parents or um, yeah, yeah, parents or adults here this evening would say there are sometimes when your kid makes you upset that you don't feel like loving them, but you know you love them, you care for them, you prove that by supplying all their needs, uh, by taking them places. And, you know, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work. But you know that you love them. And it's not just based on a feeling. In First uh, Corinthians uh, 13, uh, we'll start reading in verse uh, 4. It says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Chari charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up does not behave itself unseemly. And, and what this is talking about, it does not behave itself unwise or foolishly. This is, this is not foolish. It says, seeketh not her own, it's not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. This love, it, it cares for others. It says, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. And when, when I think about how, how the world uses love, uh, today, you know, they, they use it as a way of accepting, don't they? You have to, if you love me, you're going to accept my lifestyle. But that is not the truth. It says that rejoices not in iniquity. Love does not rejoice in sin. Now, but it says it rejoices in the truth. And, and this is a hard thing to tell someone, isn't it? But we must obey God's word. We cannot rejoice in someone's sin, no matter how big we think it is, or no matter how small we think it is. We, not, we should not uh, be joyful in it, but we have to tell the truth. And you know, true love is speaking the truth. We, we think of the book of Ephesians that says speaking the truth in love. It doesn't just say speaking in love. No, it doesn't just say speaking in truth. It says speaking the truth in love. It's like two sides to a coin. You know, when you speak the truth, you need to speak it in love. And, and honestly, uh, love is telling the truth, isn't it? You know, if someone never told you about uh, the way to know Jesus Christ, you're, to know the way to heaven, if no one ever shared for you, they would be like, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to, you know, get them worried or, or make them fret that one day they might end up in hell. No, someone took the time to tell you out of love that you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. See, the truth of, of the matter that sin has a price. And when we first hear that, uh, before we have gotten saved, we feel all guilty. We feel awful inside, don't we? And when we speak that truth to others, that, that's how they feel. But we have to tell the truth. Sin does have a price. But we're thankful. We, we don't just stop there. We don't just say sin has a price and, you know, you're done for. No, we don't stop there. But we say that Christ paid for that sin, but we have to speak uh, the truth. We have to speak the truth uh, in love. And, and just like uh, when, when you're training a, a young child or something, uh, and I know my mom and dad taught me when I was younger, wh when you see, a, see the oven, you know, they say, don't touch it because it is hot. You know, if the parents didn't love their child, they would say, yeah, go, go touch it. I, I'm sure it feels wonderful. Maybe warm your hands by the fire since it's kind of cold. In November, uh, see if that helps a little bit. No, they say, don't touch that because it's going to hurt. So we have to speak the truth. 
if someone, you know, is in sin, you know, people always say, don't judge me. Listen, I think worse than someone judging you is God's word. <laughs> so we, we must speak the truth. And it's not out of hate. It's not just the point out someone, look how you're sinning or look how wrong you are and look how perfect I am. No, that, that is not the reason. We say because Christ can make the difference. And this lifestyle that you're living, the, the way you're living in sin is going to cause hurt, is going to cause pain. So we realize that love is not blind. Love has discernment. And it says uh, in verse 9, it says about yet more and more and in knowledge and in all judgment. And then we go on to verse 10. It says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So there's a work of love that needs to happen in a Christian's life, that it may abound yet more and more, that it may be discerning. But also, there is the work of proving. And, and this is a hard one because we don't like to be uh, proven in our lives. We don't like to have uh, these tests in our lives. And when I was thinking of, of this verse as well, it says that you may approve uh, things that are excellent. Um, Pastor Sexton would always say, you know, the, the choice is not between the good and the bad. The choice is between the good and the best. And I was also reading a book. It says the enemy, uh, the enemy of best is just good. You know, sometimes in our Christian life, we just settle for what's okay. You're like, well, I'm, I'm just okay. I mean, I go to church, you know, uh, two, two times a week. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good for the week. Or, you know... Um, you know, I, I, I give out a track uh, every Saturday, but God wants our best, doesn't he? God wants us to make the best choices in our lives. And you know, the best choices always start with God. If you want to make a good choice, you know, you, you can settle for that. But I pray that you won't settle for that, but that you would choose uh, the things uh, that are best. God wants the best for you. But many times we are left with a decision whether we're going to choose to serve God or whether we're going to choose to serve self. I pray that each one of us will choose uh, to serve God in, in our lives. And, and I pray that we would have the right view of God. If we have the right view of God, we will want to make the best choices. See, a lot of times we get into our flesh and just, just see all that is temporal, just see what's happening right now. But we need to look beyond just ourselves, just our lives, but to look towards God and, and think in ourselves, is this choice going to honor God or is this choice uh, just going to honor me? And I pray that we would make a choice uh, that honor, honors and glorifies God. But also with reading this passage, it says that you may approve those things that are excellent. You know, put those things uh, to the test. And a lot of times we need to put a doctrine to the test because a lot of a lot of uh, there's a lot of false teachers out there who are just saying this is from God yet they're not they're not speaking out of God's word they're not speaking the truth that is found therein we need to guard ourselves we need to be careful of what of other men are saying so we know that it is grounded in the word if it's not grounded in the word then we probably shouldn't be believing it and uh, also in first John um, it talks about, um, about there's many antichrists in the, in the world. There's many people who are against Christ. It seems like everywhere you go, whether it's even on the news or whatever it may be, there's, there's people who 
are against Christ. And in 1 John chapter 4, it says in verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know we the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. It says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So here's a test that we know. If if they do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, they are not of God. Just plain and simple. If they don't believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, if that he came to this earth to die for our sins, then they are not of God. So we have to put these things to the test. We have to know whether they are of God or whether uh, they are of the devil. And we need to put these things uh, to the test. And then he continues in verse 10. It says that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. And, and we need to be uh, sincere. And when I was looking up this word, it means to be tested uh, by sunlight. So, so I did a little bit of a study uh, on this, and I was just doing it about, you know, how, how you could put, uh, how they test, you know, that diamonds are real. Because there, there's a difference uh, between the real and, and the fake. And have you ever seen when they look at diamonds, they have that little light or something to see whether it's a real diamond or, you know, how clear it is or how, how pure of a diamond it is. And the reason a lot of times why they do that is because they can see uh, the color of the diamond, uh, whether it is real or whether it is fake. Because if you ever do this, and I wouldn't recommend this, I didn't do this, so it, it's not me. But some people buy rings or something off of eBay and you better make sure Isaac doesn't do this. <laughs> but <laughs> but they, t <laughs> they, they test this and, and they find out, you know, if you bring it to a store, they can see whether it's real or whether it's fake. Because the fake ones, it, it, it shines like a rainbow all the time. Whether you look straight down, you can see all the way to the bottom. But I guess uh, what I read is that it looks either white or grayish color. Uh, but when it reflects, it like reflects uh, that rainbow color on, on, on something uh, nearby. So they put it to the test to see whether it is real or whether it is fake. And I pray that each one of us, that we would not live our lives as a fake Christian, but that we would be real, that we would be sincere, and that our hearts uh, would be given unto the Lord. But sometimes, you know, the Lord has to try us to get those impurities out of our lives so that we would become more like Christ. So that when people see us, they don't just see us in our flesh, but that they would see Christ and know the difference that Christ makes in a person's life. And it also says in verse 10, it says, and without offense till the day of Christ. This is kind of uh, the connotation. It's like blameless are not causing other Christians the stumble. And in each of our lives, we need to make sure we are are living for Christ, that we are living blameless, that when someone le uh, sees us, whether it's a Christian or whether it's an unsaved person, it would not cause uh, unbelievers not want to get saved because they don't see any difference in our lives. Or if a believer sees our lives, it causes them to stumble and fall into sin. And of course, none of us would want that happening. But let us remember each and every day that we live 
that we're not living unto self, we're living unto Christ. And let us keep him in mind in everything uh, that we say and do, that we would do it unto Christ. Remember, it says, till the day of Christ, so that we would live for him each and every day. Um, and then in verse 11, it says, being filled uh, with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And the third point is the work of righteousness. It takes work to live a holy life. It takes work uh, to, to not give in to sin, but to give ourselves unto God each and every day. But remember, we're not separated uh, just from things. We are separated unto God to be more like him so that we would honor him, that we would live a life that is pleasing unto him. And you may say, you know, what, what are these uh, works of righteousness? If you turn over just to Galatians uh, chapter 5 and verse 22, it, it goes over this. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So he goes on to explain, he's, he's like this work of righteousness in your life. It says the fruit of the Spirit. You need to have the love of Christ in your life. And you need to have the joy of Christ. And, and aren't you thankful that knowing uh, that we have been forgiven of our sins, that we have the joy of Christ, we can have peace, the peace that passes all understanding. We need to be long-suffering. We need to have gentleness. We need to have goodness. We need to have faith. We need to be meek and also have a temperance. These are many things that we need to have in our Christian life. And we're like, man, this, you know, this is a long list. It's hard to keep. But it says if you live in the Spirit, you know, it's, it's not just one thing to say, yes, you know, I am saved. But do you, have, do you have the fruit of the Spirit? Do your fruits show that you have been changed by the Lord? It says, let us also walk in the Spirit. So let us not just say we live in the Spirit. But if we say we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us live a life that is pleasing unto Christ. Remember, he said, be holy even as I am holy, and let us live our lives unto the Lord. And it says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by, Christ, by Jesus Christ. See, these are not just man-made things. These are not something we can ju just do in and of ourselves, but it says, which are by uh, Jesus Christ. And it says, unto the glory and praise of God. He said, just to sum all of this up, he says, you know, your, your love should abound more and more in that you need to approve things. You need to be sincere and without offense. You need to have the fruits of righteousness. But it's not just to say, oh, look, we have all these things. You know, aren't we a wonderful person? Aren't we living a righteous life? Look how good of a Christian I am. No, that, that's not how it should be. And I pray that none of us would live our lives just to say, oh, look, I'm, I'm a higher tier Christian than this person. No, that's, that's not what it's for. It's for Christ to be, perform his good work in us so that, so that when people see us, that they would see more of Christ and less of us. It says, 
unto the glory and praise of God. You know, when we think about God's word, when we think about the Christian life, what it is for, it's all for the glory and praise of God. It's never for our own glory. It's never for our own praise. You know, in the book of Galatians, we just read, not a vain glory. It's not just to say we're better than someone. No. But it's saying, look at the God we serve. Look how he has changed our lives. And, and all this to say, you know, the Christian life, it's not always going to be an easy life. But it's always a good life, uh, serving our Lord and Savior. Knowing that he's always with you, no matter what, what circumstance you're in. God is always with you. He's, he's guiding you. He's performing his good work. He's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. He says, of which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. I pray that every day that we live, that we would live to honor and praise God in our lives. Let's pray. And as we pray, if you would all please stand.